Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everybody, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Uh, good to uh, have you along with us today. We are at episode 33. And uh, one thing I just wanted to mention, we typically do the uh, kind of the, the big lead in. We are actually going to do a little bit of a different uh, take. Uh, again, as financial advisors, um, a lot of what our expertise lies in is on the financial planning, of course, and then investment management and of course, we've been getting a lot of questions about what are we thinking of what's happened here in 2020, uh, but what are we thinking now for 2021, and what sort of investments are we uh, are, are kind of thinking about? Where are things? Um, so I think that that was the really the purpose what we wanted to do today. So we actually gathered um, all of our people at Guidance Point Advisors together and um, want to do a little bit of a roundtable. Uh, you, if you tuned in, we actually um, in our mid-teens we had a, a roundtable number one uh, as. Coronavirus was starting because we we're getting lots of these questions, but we thought now is probably a time to do that again. Uh, we assembled the team, put together a little bit of a show. So tune in, uh, bear with us here for another second. You'll uh, you'll hear me intro the team, and we'll get going. Welcome everybody to the second uh, Guidance Point Advisors Roundtable. Good to join you, uh, obviously, with uh, kind of getting into uh, just a little bit of an update. What's happening with our firm? But also wanted to just share with you guys uh, out there about what, what we see happening in the markets, uh, what we're talking about with clients, uh, things like that. So as a purpose of uh, today's uh, video and today's roundtable, just to kind of get together and, and just kind of share some of our team, but also share some of uh, what's been going on in the investment arenas. So my name is Ben Smith. Uh, I'm an investment consultant with Guidance Point Advisors. Um, and one thing we'd like to do just to kick off our roundtable today is have people go around, introduce themselves and also share with us their favorite holiday movie. My favorite holiday movie, uh, I was raised on action movies, so I'm going to go with the controversial Die Hard. It's going to be my favorite holiday movie. So I'll turn it over to, actually, i go Abby next. Uh, I'm going to go around my screen here a little bit and have Abby introduce herself. And okay. My name is Abby Doody, and I'm also an investment consultant at Guidance Point Advisors. My favorite holiday movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think it's so funny. I watch it multiple times a year, and I love it. So. That is uh, my in-laws favorite movie that yeah. they, they watch that from Thanksgiving Day all the way through the holiday season. So yeah. lots wow. of Cousin Eddie in our family. <laughs> wow. Uh, Wes, I'll, I'll go to you next. Um, have you kicked that off? Sure. Wes Delcole, um, managing partner of Guidance Point Advisors. In our household, there's no question. It's Elf. <laughs> yes. mm, we so. love it. We watch it every year. Kind of kickstarts the holiday feel in our household. Um, just a good comedy. Will Ferrell is hard to beat. That, that's a good one. Yes. I like it. Chris, how about you? Uh, Chris Del Cole, another investment counselor at uh, Guidance Point. And uh, Wes and I have the same taste. Elf is uh, my favorite. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell is awesome. Okay. Singing uh, singing holiday grams is, is certainly the flavor there. Um, AJ, I'll, I'll go to you next. Yeah, I'm AJ Walker, an investment consultant with Guidance Point. 
advisors. I, I think mine would be uh, a couple have already come up that I like a lot. Uh, so trading uh, places is great. That's it's an old one. Yeah, it's All a great right. movie. Nice, uh, Larry. I'll I'll turn it over to you. I am Larry Pelletier, and I'm a consultant also with Guidance Point. And my favorite one is a is one that everybody loves. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that one. Four times every year. <laughs> Well, you know, you can always catch it on TV too, right? I mean, it's, it's, it is always on. And I'm going to turn it over to Curtis next, batting cleanup. Yeah, uh, it's Curtis Worcester. Um, I work up in Maine with uh, Ben and Abby primarily, but certainly, so my, I'll go controversial, I think a little bit. In my opinion, a rare occurrence where a second movie is better than a first. And I'm going to go Home Alone 2, Lost in New oh. York. It's my favorite. It's the go-to. Probably watched it five times at this point, um, and we'll keep going. So I, I got to give Curtis heck because as I was growing up, Home Alone was a thing, right? As everybody watched Home Alone on VHS tape over and over and over. So I can't say two is better than one. I, I don't think anything knocks that off the table. But we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Okay. Glad to have everybody here. Again, just to share a little bit of ourselves for uh, the holiday season as well. Uh, but one thing I wanted to just do is, of course, we're getting lots of questions about in terms of our reviews when we're sitting on the clients about what's been going on with 2020 in terms of investment results. Obviously, there's lots of world events that have happened that have impacted investable markets. But love to just get everyone's uh, maybe 30 second take to a minute take on what they're seeing in the markets for, again, looking backwards for 2020. Maybe, Wes, do you want to start off there as uh, just sure. kind of lead us off? Sure. I think the one thing I think about when we look back at 2020 uh, from an investment perspective is I think for all of us, at least as advisors, it was a great year, and we're still in that year, a great opportunity for us to gauge our clients' true risk tolerance. Right. Cause we've all sat down and had meetings and we discuss our asset allocations with them and people feel comfortable in a relatively normal, uh, you know, bouncing around market. But as we all know, this year we experienced tremendous upheaval towards the end of that first quarter. And then obviously we had a very strong V shaped recovery. And I think other people can document, you know, there were some tech titans obviously that led the way. Obviously we had a ton of fiscal stimulus, uh, to support things as well. But to me, one very interesting aspect of that looking back and one thing I think we've all talked about and tried to learn from is, okay, how did people respond to that? Because I think it gave mm -hmm. us a very good ability to, to gauge that in our clients. I think it also gave our clients a great ability to gauge us in terms of how interactive we were. You know, what was our outreach like? What were we like um, as advisors and counselors during that time? So when I think of 2020 from that regard, um, that's sort of the first thing that comes to mind. The other piece of it, though, that I think is really important as it relates to the investment results is if you look at how quickly the recovery took place, it's given me some level of concern that clients, uh, that sort of snapback uh, would be relied mm -hmm. upon as a normal time frame for a market to recover. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we think of time horizons and clients' accounts and, and work through that, I just hope that clients don't develop a false sense of the importance of their horizons and thinking that uh, that's a normal type of a snapback because it was really quick. And in, mm -hmm. in my expectation, I thought we would be um, dragging for a, a much longer period. So those are sort of two things from 2020 that I've been still processing 
and trying to take away and working with with clients on as it relates to the investment side. Awesome. Well, I think those are really good kind of points too, because again, from just an overall behavioral piece, I know that's a lot of what we work on and, and some getting that feedback from our clients and be able to demonstrate some of the value we have. I'd like to maybe just uh, kind of have maybe Chris uh, go next and just share some of his thoughts on what he saw in 2020. Sure. You know, like uh, Wes pointed out, it was a, um, a very interesting year. I think one of the dynamics just to talk about that seemed to come up a lot with clients uh, was the lack of income available in the fixed income markets. And with the level of rates uh, where they are today and where they've been and where they're probably going to be for the next couple of years, the most common question I was getting from my clients is, where can I get some income in the portfolio? Unfortunately, within the fixed income space, there's uh, really not much available, even if you stretch out and take on some credit risk and go into high yield compared to where it has been. High yield at four and a half or five percent is uh, historically low. So the conversation we ended up having with a, a lot of clients is to say you have to probably consider looking at some portions of the equity market to get some of that yield. The overall uh, dividend available for most stocks is uh, high ones, um, but there are some subsets of the equity market where you can get two and a half percent type of dividend or distributions, and you are taking on a little bit different risk. Uh, but that is a, a was a common theme of conversations had with clients over this uh, past year. And like Wes points out, it's really important to manage people's expectations on rebounds in the market or uh, return expectations, uh, you know, going forward. Time horizons need to be probably stretched out, not shortened up um, in terms of what people will expect in terms of returns on their portfolio. But probably current income was the probably the biggest theme that I was having conversations with uh, clients. Well, that, yeah, that's that's really important. And I, I want to also kind of add, too, is I, I know that's been a conversation about, again, a, a rate of return that trying to make a financial plan work with, right, is what return do we need to make a sustainable financial plan? And looking at how much is in fixed income versus how much is in equities, you know, that that's going to be dictated by what we think going forward as well, as well. We'll cover that in a few minutes. But I think that's a really good point, Chris, about, well, what do we think uh, what's happened in, in fixed income and what does that mean for how much exposure we should have in equities as well? So again, those those two things are going to play well together. I want to turn it over to AJ and uh, hear his thoughts about what he was seeing with his clients and what uh, what conversations he was having. Similar to Wes, I think the risk tolerance and time horizon questions come right to the, the forefront when we have the market drop like it did in March and then the sharp recovery. It, it gave us a good opportunity to talk to clients about why the asset allocation is structured the way that it is. You know, what is the what is the long term uh, thinking around that? What are the capital market assumptions going into that? So that's where a lot of the discussions, you know, uh, with my clients centered around uh, around that. And and uh, similar to Wes also, concerned that it looks almost too easy. Like, yeah, we had a really massive market downturn, but as long as people didn't panic for even a few weeks, it snapped right back. And so we, we've really made, you know, really try to communicate to clients that that is not necessarily a normal behavioral pattern, you know, that the market could drop and stay down for a while or have a much slower, you know, U-shape recovery instead of V-shape like it was. So tampering expectations coming into the 2021 is going to be important. Clearly, monetary policy and fiscal policy are driving the driving the whole train right now. 
and the market's always forward looking. And so the, the, the prospect of really large stimulus from Congress, as well as super low interest rates, very easy money policy from the Fed are, are going to drive, you know, going to definitely be a tailwind, but you can't guarantee that. And there's, you know, you can't say that there aren't going to be other disasters that occurred. You know, who, who thought we were going to have a pandemic? You know, when sitting in, in, in January, I, I don't think anybody was going to predict the pandemic at the level that it has been in 2020. Yeah. So good, good time to level set with clients and try to manage expectations around market growth. I like it. Larry, from your side and your conversations you've been having with clients, again, we, we all have different kind of life stages of clients that we work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Larry, what, what have you kind of been uh, messaging to your client base and what have you been receiving for feedback there during 2020? Well, while we try to incorporate a number of the points that have already been addressed, um, the client base that I work with uh, is, is a little bit different because they're a little bit older for the most part. And and all of them remember 2008 vividly like it was yesterday. And so when we were putting together portfolios with the help of Ben and Abby, one of the things that we did was engage in long, fairly lengthy conversations with each client about uh, their time horizon and their risk tolerance and how comfortable they are in 2008. And we were just talking about what happens if we're, we're all comfortable when the market's rocketing up, sure. but we're not always comfortable when it's when it's sliding down. And so we had the opportunity to take a lot of information right on the front end, and Ben helped us incorporate that information in developing portfolios, that even though there was great turmoil happening around us in the investment world, we had portfolios that were designed to meet client needs over a long term, um, and we kind of knew what their income needs were, and we'd set some monies aside. And so our, I have to say that the, the older clients in, in my book of business were really as comfortable as you could be. doesn't mean they're perfectly comfortable, but they're as comfortable as you could be, given the turmoil that was going on around us. And the fact that, as Wes has already pointed out, that we had such a tremendous bounce back helped assuage their, the concerns of the clients but they also recognize that we could have another downturn that could be uh, detrimental to the economy and to their portfolios, but they're comfortable with what Guidance Point is doing for them. That's all number one. Number two, they're very comfortable with the amount and the level of communication and discussions that we have every single month to keep them current with what we're doing and how we're looking at the world and why we're doing what we're doing and why we're not doing a number of things, quite frankly, that we choose not to do. So I think communication has been the key, and I know it's not exactly the the answer that we're looking for with regard to specific investments, but it's a methodology that we use, and more importantly, I think a relationship. It's a wonderful life. Nice way to wrap that that together, Larry. Uh, Abby, uh, uh, want to just I know you and myself and Curtis and a- AJ, we kind of wrap as a team a lot of times, especially with Larry. But Abby, from your end, uh, what are you guys? Uh, what what are you saying to clients when you're having direct conversations there? Um, so the biggest thing that we've been touching on is how much we rebalanced during 2020, right? So there were large market swings, so we were much more active within. Um, client accounts rebalancing out of equities into bonds and market was going up and then vice versa when it was going down. So I think that level of um, rebalancing really showed clients, you know, that we were really paying attention and on top of it for them and helped to provide some level of, of security knowing that we were looking out for them. 
Yeah, and I'll I'll add to what Wes was saying as well as um, you know in terms of what was going on. You know, I, I think from an equity perspective, when you saw a lot, really all equities going down almost all at once, and and you, obviously large cap uh, had, a, had a significant drop, but you're seeing other categories mid cap, uh, mid cap, small cap, international down even further. Mm-hmm. And the point about de- being diversified is things don't always move at the same time or at the same magnitude. And I think that was something that really kind of showed through here where maybe the large cap equities maybe was the first to rebound and rally here throughout the spring into the summer. And what we kind of finally saw in the in the fourth quarter here so far has been really these other equity categories really rallying. Mm-hmm. And and that's something where which is why having diversified portfolios, again, diversified portfolios sometimes meaning always having to say you're sorry, because not everything's going to be the best that it possibly could be of any in the, any investment market. But, you know, those categories that are uh, been in portfolios and, and some of our client portfolios, they really kind of showed up. And, and I think November, I, again, uh, on the I don't want to make a direct quote because I'm, I, I don't have a fact check on it, but I believe November has been one of the better months we've really ever seen in the equity markets. Again, I, I don't know what the number uh, relative uh, of the ranking there, but I know it's one of the top ones. And I think that would be a real surprise to people where, you know, we, we've even had a lot of conversations of, hey, the coronavirus came. We're really neck deep in it. Uh, we had an equity rally. It still feels like we're in it still. And maybe we got ahead of ourselves here a little bit. And now it's going to be election time. And maybe now is the time to get out or, you know, those sorts of conversations, I, I think, where people continue to be skittish and continue to be fearful. And we just talked about the value of just continuing making sure, hey, here's the bounds of where we are in, in our equity percentages and our uh, allocations. Here's why it matches your needs. And here's why it's important to stay, uh, stay with that. And I think those that really uh, that we're working with, I think that really paid off here in the fourth quarter, especially because I know there's a lot of political fear on both sides, right? Is if my party loses, what's going to happen? And, and I know that we're probably still going through that some. If we all kind of pulled each other in market. March uh, 13th, you know, are the, is the equity markets going to be positive for the year or negative or neutral? I think positive to this extent would have been a little bit of a surprise to, mm-hmm. to a lot of people of, of how much that this has come back, especially where we still are relative to coronavirus. I know, obviously, we've had announcements of vaccines. We're right now in the in the moment. Right now, we're starting to administer those vaccines. So starting to happen. We have a lot of uh, future-looking things that are, are going forward. I think uh, all of our comments here are able to kind of give a little robust uh, look at what we what we uh, saw in 2020. So I want to kind of turn our eye forward uh, because I know with our conversations with all of our clients, they want to know what's next, right? And obviously, what we what we kind of preface was no one could have seen the coronavirus. Uh, impact coming and and what was happening but as we sit today it's also helpful of what do we help what are we looking at what are we fearful of what are we doing right now to maybe help protect some of our clients portfolios and what are we thinking about so i want to turn that over to everybody here too and just get that as a point so maybe wes could i have you start there in terms of where are we today and what are you thinking about going forward with your client portfolios sure and i i think it's going to piggyback right off what you were saying, Ben, about the fourth quarter. I think one thing from an investment outlook standpoint, when I think of 2021, and you just stated it, we do have vaccines on the horizon, right? That does hopefully represent light at the end of the tunnel. But we're still in a dark tunnel right now. And so 
I think it's important not to be positioned for any one outcome. Like you were mentioning the elections in November, or um, sometimes people get something in their mind. I need to get into cash. I think the market's going to go down now. I think it's going to go up potentially from here. 2020 taught us very difficult to predict those types of moves. So asset allocation, diversification, what Abby was talking about, prudent rebalancing at the appropriate times. Those are the things that I'm looking to for 2021. My best guess is that perhaps we see a bit of a reversal from last year where the economy towards the second half of the year begins to improve. But perhaps the stock market does take a little air out of the balloon. That So to be positioned across the board and have an allocation that you're comfortable with, if that in fact happens, I think is going to be the critical thing. And again, coming out of 2020 and having revisited this with all of our clients has been really important because some people in March and April, we found out weren't comfortable with where they were. So now we've had the opportunity. We've adjusted those portfolios for them. Hopefully also from a behavioral standpoint, had conversations with them so that we can get get into 2021 and feel like we're prepared from how we're invested to handle sort of any sort of outcome because it could go in a lot of different directions. But that's essentially what, what I see going forward is learning a lot from 2020. Yeah. And I'll add, um, in, I think what we see with a lot of DIY investors a lot is that there's this uh, mentality that we we might tend to be binary with our investing is it's we need to be all equities. We need to be all cash. We need to be all bonds. And just I, I think there's sometimes is an overreaction, almost, um, you know, I, I'll use the analogy of almost like we're beginning to drive. And we believe that the steering wheel needs to move a whole lot when we're beginning to drive. And it's almost a similar type mentality when we invest. So I think when we're at the helm here and, and driving, there are very little movements in terms of the, the steering wheel is what we're making. Because it's to the, your point, right, is there's lots of outcomes. We need to make sure that uh, we're, we're protecting where we need to, but also be able to grow and meet those client goals and, and keeping them. Essentially, I'll use the golf analogy in the fairway on the or the driving uh, analogy that we're keeping them between the, the proper uh, lane. So I, th- I think those are really mm-hmm. important points. Chris, uh, I'd like to hear from you in terms of uh, obviously you have a really great permutation on the fixed income side. That's. I'm getting a whole lot of questions on the fixed mm-hmm. income side too of, hey, mm-hmm. yields are extremely low and aren't yields just going to go or aren't interest rates then going to go up and now I'm going to get a negative uh, return on my bonds. And isn't that the justification to go in equities? So I'd love to hear just your thoughts about where we are today with fixed income. And then I know you gave a little bit earlier, but where are we, where are we kind of thinking going forward in 2021? Yeah, well, the way that the uh, Fed has uh, set up things on the interest rate uh, front, we are at you know the lowest rates we've ever had. And uh, you would think that there's the potential for rising rates. Um, and uh, the fact that due to the pandemic and the printing of money that's going on, there is the potential and discussion about possible inflation coming through. It not only is the printing of the money, but the uh, supply chain you know, disruptions or coming back more to, to the United States with the supply chain has long-term implications of potential inflation. And rates mm-hmm. would rise in the event that there is that inflation. But 
uh, you know, you have to position yourselves uh, today with the idea that there might be um, a, a rise in rates and, and fixed income portfolios will go down and in, inverse with uh, rates rising will go down in price. So there is the potential for negative returns on longer duration fixed income portfolios. And Jamie Dimon said it the other day, I would never, I wouldn't touch uh, U.S. treasuries with a 10 foot pole um, at the level of rates they are today. But we don't know, um, uh, and and this is all uh, the market's interpretation of future rates. It's not the Federal Reserve that is going to make rates rise. They're taking care of the front end of the yield curve, and the lending rates that uh, occur at the front end of the yield curve are pegged at zero, and their plan is to keep them pegged at zero for a long time. But Probably the prudent strategy is to shorten up duration in the fixed income portfolios because you're really not getting much yield to go out further beyond even five years. That's the landscape on things. We'll see uh, as to what the future brings, but uh, there's not a lot of income in the fixed income market right now. And there is the potential for, yes, rising rates, which would put ne- potential negative returns on longer duration portfolios. I think with some of the, the client conversations that we've been having is I almost kind of position this as the harvesting of crops for a few years is that, you know, you look at fixed income and lots, of, especially intermediate to longer uh, duration uh, bond portfolios, you're seeing um, some really high single-digit um, returns, income plus total return, because of how interest rates have come down. It almost feels like we've harvested uh, the next two or three years of a fixed income return in 2020 just because of how far interest rates come, uh, came down. Would you agree with that, Chris, about about that line of thinking? Yeah, I think the, the returns that have contributed to portfolios have been a lot to do with the drop in rates of those longer duration portfolios. So as you said, the return that we've had in 2020 has been because of the drop in rates out on the longer end and could reverse itself if they rise back up. Um, so, you know, it's a good way of putting it. We have harvested kind of future returns of fixed income at this point. And going forward, there's not a gr- rosy picture for potential returns coming from those same portfolios. So so maybe just the, the point being is be just being patient with your fixed income portfolio, right? Is, hey, maybe we still get a 3% return per year or 4% per return per year over time. But, you know, might mean that we're at zero negative for a couple of years or low yield uh, for a couple of years and it averages back down. So I think that's just a little bit different than maybe has a fixed income investors have been trained as thinking about that coupon and, you know, every year get my coupon and here's it's just pretty steady income as we go. And it just is a little bit different of how we're kind of experiencing a fixed income return nowadays. And again, from our side as advisors and giving advice to clients, I think that's something where we're trying to just make sure we're managing and just being on top of uh, there for us. I do want to ask another question here about really as we're getting hired right now is I, I think this is a kind of a different arena for us where typically we're, you know, someone says, I'm interested in your service. We sit down, we meet each other, we get to hear their, their client's story, almost their today's story, what's happening and where things have been. But 
I think now it's a little bit different because we're not meeting with people a lot, obviously in person. So when people are coming to us, it's a different mode in which we're meeting them. There might be also some different needs or some different things that they're expressing. That's the reason why they're contacting us. I'd like to just hear from, uh, from uh, people that are willing to share just what hearing from those new clients, what do they need? What are the services they're looking for? Why are they coming to us is, is a question today. So again, I'll, um, I'll start with Wes if you, you're okay with sharing that. Uh, that part of it. Yeah, sure. As I think through maybe the last five or six months and the people where who have either been referred to me or uh, have sought out our services, I think the one common theme, and this does go back to uh, March and April and some of the things we discussed earlier, is I feel like they, they've commented that they weren't getting a lot of attention, mm-hmm. uh, that there wasn't a lot of interaction or outreach uh, at the prior firms they were at. Not all of it coronavirus related, um, sometimes working with a larger bank or whatever it might be, you know, there's more layers to go through. Um, there's more people to interact with. And I think these individuals all wanted a more personal relationship. Um, someone that they, you know, one of the questions are always asking is, am I dealing directly with you? Can I call you? Absolutely. As opposed to, you know, it's, it's not a call center or if there's something in the back office, as we all know, we deal with it ourselves. It's not so much, you know, call into the larger organization. So the common theme that I've seen for this year is I think people obviously, and for good reasons, have been very concerned about their portfolios, about their investment management accounts, IRAs, and want to make sure that the individuals or the institutions that are helping them with those are on top of it, uh, are communicating with them uh, and assisting them. And so that's um, that's what I've seen. Chris, um, just ask from your perspective, what are you seeing for, again, clients that you're, you're onboarding in 2020 or what you're seeing uh, from, from those uh, responses? I would uh, bring up one thing that Larry brought up. The way I think we've been able to win business uh, relative to others is the relationships that we show. You know, this past year, because of the volatility in the markets, I've really become closer with my clients because of the conversations that we've had throughout the process, talking about investments, talking about life, talking about uh, Corona. And it's a the personalized touch that I think shows through for Guidance Point. You know, we're a uh, you know smaller organization that can be right there for you during times, uh, during tough times and, and, and during good times. But it's really uh, the personalized relationship that has uh, helped and I think uh, won us some new business that way, just uh, uh, realizing you're not going with a big organization. Like it. Larry, from your, your perspective, what have you seen in terms of uh, maybe clients that are talking to you or, or people that are, pers- are prospective clients that are talking to you and are, are thinking about engaging an advisor at this point? Um, I'm going to kind of mimic what, what Chris has said. The biggest issue, at least here, working with prospects in North Carolina, because as you all know, that's where I'm stationed, but it's it's really um, personal relationship. It's communication or lack of communication that's really driving people to look around now, even though they've, they've gone down and they've gone up uh, with regard to their investments this year. I think there's a lot of nervous tension in people's hearts and minds because they have not had the type of conversations that they thought they would have. In fact, some of them would tell you they've had very few conversations with their current advisor. So we're trying to build bridges and relationships just as you are with folks that we really don't know, but we're getting to know to show them who we are as people and really how much we care about them. And I think that's that in the long run that'll play well for us. Uh, Abby, 
and, and I are trying to work on one right now in Maine. That, that's and Ben, you're aware of it. It was a referral that we're putting together, and the whole thing is being driven by the fact that she has no personal relationship with her current client. And while this is somebody I've known for a long time, up up till a couple of months ago, through all these years, everything was okay. The markets are okay. But this year has caused a um, tremendous amount of doubt in her mind. And I'm comfortable and believe that we will have this account probably in the next couple of months. It just takes a little time, but we're building friendship. And, and I think that, that will that will be stronger for us, quite frankly, than our investment performance or anything else. It's just caring about people and, and having them know that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add, Larry, um, you know, I think there's two trends that I, I'm seeing a little bit more when Curtis and Abby and I are working together as well on things. One is uh, we've actually been engaging with uh, someone we engaged with on our podcast as a career coach. And what we're hearing there is there's a lot of people that are looking at, hey, I don't really want to be in the industry I am right now due to coronavirus, right? And I'm getting closer to retirement. And her question to those uh, those people were, well, can you afford to retire? And what's amazing about that question is they say, yeah, I have a financial advisor. And the career coach says, well, but do you know the answer to that question? She goes, no. And I tried to get my advisor to talk to me about that, and they won't. Mm-hmm. They're only concerned about investments. So mm-hmm. I think that's some of these kind of mm-hmm. core life questions. If we're not able to answer them, you know, that, boy, this can really be a roadblock to people's uh, next step in life. So we, we've gotten a few referrals about, well, hey, I know the team at Guidance Point really does a great job addressing those life challenges and helping you put a path in place to get to that point if you do want to retire or what showing you what that will look like and whether that is aligned with what you want it to look like, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Two, I'll say um, we got a client that came in and they said, I chose you because my former advisor was uh, very much on one political party. So every time I came in, it was all about uh, what's happening with that particular party, why that was going to be the thing that saves the day. And if it doesn't happen, it was so a lot of extreme political conversation that made the client really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, I was referred to because I know I hear you guys are not like that, that you're you're really not kind of playing one side or the other. You're not, you know, extremely liberal, extremely conservative. All of I think that was a really big. Peak. And the third point I want to point out is is just what we're doing today on Zoom is that, look, they want to be able to get together and want to be able to meet. And it might be the advisor was was really encouraging them to come in person and they were not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Or B, they really didn't have a technological capability that they wanted to meet in a way and see each other that wasn't a phone call. And the ability to uh, the advisor to adapt to a, a Zoom or a video conference was a really big deal. So that we're doing things like this has really emphasized that to our client base, our prospects and our centers of influence that refer to us. And I think that's been the three reasons why we've been seeing some some more business there is is just being adaptable and and being able to meet people where they want to be met and be comfortable. So I'll I'll just leave that there. Any kind of final thoughts there on on that point? I think that was well said. No, mm-hmm. I think that was good. Awesome. All right. Well. I'll wrap up uh, today's kind of roundtable. I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to our messages today. We, again, the clients that we work with, we're really grateful, really appreciative of uh, that we're that, that we've been chosen to be on this journey with you. Uh, but for those that are uh, looking for services, we want to be able to showcase some of what we're doing and what makes us a little bit different and and kind of where, where we're positioning here, obviously in 2020, but also going forward into uh, future years. So appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll 
definitely do another one of these in the near future. But until then, catch you later. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.